You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. Are you guys excited to actually be in person meeting in church? Man, I think it's been over a year since I've stood on this stage and, and preached, so I'm excited today. Well, look, guys, today we are continuing our series about good advice for hard times. And if you heard the little song they were playing just now, it said, why can't we be friends? Or somebody might say, why can't we all just get along, right? If it were that simple. And so today we're going to dive into James chapter 4, and we're going to talk a little bit about conflict and conflict resolution. Right? And the name of the message today is, Why Do We Fight? Why Do We Fight? Now I have to tell you, growing up and and really all my life, I've never really been much of a fighter. You know, some people just love to fight, right? How many of you know people like that? They just look for a fight, they love to get into fights, they're always ready for a fight. I like to consider myself more of a lover than a fighter. But I did have one fight in my life. One fight. And when I had that one fight, I went all the way, y'all. I fought a boy in elementary school. (laughs) Elementary school, so you know, after school was over, you know how kids are, you know, we were just yapping, and then it kind of turned into like a little battle of words, right? Everybody was like cracking jokes on each other and kind of dogging each other out, and then it started escalating, and people were like, ooh, oh, and so, this, this guy in my class, you know, he just kind of started going at it with me. And you know, I do have a mouth now, I can get you with my words. And so I just started going back at him and he didn't like it so much. So next thing I know, he hauls off and punches me in the face. And I went, I could not believe this boy punched me in my face. And y'all, I blacked out, I don't know what happened, I just flipped. And I said, no, you didn't. And I hit the windmill attack on him, y'all. There was a big, big field in the front of the school. And I chased him around that field. And I just was <laughs> slapping him upside the head. And the next day, I got the reputation for a fighter because I beat up a boy. So that was my only fight in my life. But you know, no matter if you consider yourself a lover, a fighter, whatever you categorize yourself as, we all are fighting something. We're all fighting something in life. And you know, nowadays, I don't know that I've ever lived in a day and an hour where the body of Christ has been fighting and at odds more than we are today. There seems to be more division, more strife, more arguments. All you gotta do is log on to social media and you'll see it, right? And this is between the body of Christ and believers. And so we're gonna look at three different types of conflict today. First off, conflict with ourselves. What is the root cause of conflict with ourselves, conflict with others, and conflict with God? And so the first reason that we have conflict with ourselves is that we are slaves to our flesh. So often, we are slaves to our flesh. And what does that mean? When we get saved, we're supposed to, the Bible tells us, crucify our flesh daily. It tells us that we're supposed to crucify our flesh daily, 
But so often, we don't crucify the flesh, and so the flesh is still in control. It's still ruling our lives. And it says this in 2 Peter 2.19. It says, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. And so often, we are slaves to our flesh. And so that's the first battle that we have. And Paul talked about this in Romans. He said, the things that I know I should do, I don't do those things. But the things that I know I shouldn't do, I find myself doing those things. And it's a constant tug of war between the flesh and the spirit, right? The thing that you know you should do and the thing you know you shouldn't do. It's a constant battle. And so the Bible tells us in Matthew 16, 24, this was Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Somebody say, give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Isn't that where the battle is? Everybody wants their way. Everybody wants their way. And I would say nothing teaches you this better than marriage. Can all the married people say amen? <laughs> amen. We all want our way. And when you first get married, you learn this lesson quick. If you want to have a fruitful, productive, and happy marriage, you're going to have to die to your flesh. You ain't going to get your way all the time, okay? And so it's something that we struggle with often as believers. We have not truly crucified our flesh to the cross. Therefore, it becomes the dominant force directing our decisions, actions, and behavior. It's the one that's leading us. It's what's guiding us. It's what's causing us to act a certain way. And here's the thing about our flesh. Nothing good lives in your flesh. Nothing good lives in our flesh. It's sinful. We were born into a sinful nature. There's nothing good in our flesh. Paul said this in Romans 7, 18. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. So a lot of times you'll hear people talk about how they're a good person or, you know, they, are, they do good things. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Well, I have news for you. Even if you think you're a good person, your best will never measure up to the standard of righteousness and holiness that Jesus has called us to live to. That's why we need him. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. The Bible even says our best is as filthy rags. So no matter how good of a person you think you are, no matter how many good deeds you think you can do in life, it never will measure up. And so that's why we can't depend on our flesh. We can't depend on ourselves. We can't try to live this life in and of our own strength. Not by might or by power, but by his spirit will we live and walk according to the will of God. And here's the other thing that causes us to have conflict with ourselves. We've been converted, but not transformed. We've been converted, but not transformed. What am I talking about? When we come into a relationship with Jesus and we realize, okay, I can't do it in my flesh. I'm, I'm no good in and of myself. I need a savior. I need Jesus in my life. And we have the conversion experience of giving our lives to him. It doesn't end there. 
And so often we've been misled into thinking all we have to do is accept Jesus and like a magic wand, everything in our life is going to be better and we're going to be a better person and we're going to act right and do right and live right all the time. It's not that simple. We have to be intentional about living according to the ways and the word of God. And you know how we do that? We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's what the Bible teaches us. And so it's not enough to be converted if we're not transformed. And so that's why you'll often see people who wear the label of Christian and wear the label of believer, but there's not a transformation that has occurred because they have not taken up the daily discipline of getting rooted and grounded in the word of God. That's the only way that we're changed. It's not just enough to accept him, but every day you've got to make a decision to pick up your cross, crucify that flesh and follow him and to renew your thinking by getting into the word of God. And that's where the transformation occurs. And so now that we've looked at the causes of conflict with ourselves, let's talk about what causes conflict with each other. The first thing is jealousy, jealousy. And James talks about this in chapter four, verses one and two. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you or don't they come from your flesh? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Jealousy. Jealousy. You know, jealousy is what led Cain to kill his brother Abel. Jealousy is what led Jacob to trick his father into giving him the blessing instead of Esau, who was the rightful owner of the blessing. But jealousy is rooted in several things. The first thing is when you do not have a revelation of the love of the Father, it'll cause you to be jealous of other people. What do I mean by that? When you don't understand how much God truly loves you, then you think you have to be jealous when he's blessing somebody else. But when you understand that God loves you, then what you see and understand is the same God that is opening doors and pouring out favor and pouring out blessings and pouring out provision for that person, he loves me all the same and he has plenty to give around. And so the same God who is overflowing their life with blessings, he'll overtake my life with blessings too. That's why I can rejoice when you're having your season of blessing and favor because I know that my season is coming. Amen. And then the same thing on the other side of that, I can also rejoice when God closes doors because I understand that he loves me enough to not allow me to go through a door that I might be striving to get through because he knows that's not his best for me. He knows better and he sees things that I can't see up ahead. And so a lot of times he may give somebody else something that you think you want, but what you don't recognize is God's got something better for you if you would just wait on him, if you would just trust in him, if you would be patient and wait for your season to come. So I don't have to be jealous of anybody when I understand how much God loves me. 
Jealousy is also rooted in insecurity. It's rooted in insecurity. When you don't truly understand who you serve and that he has ordered and ordained every one of your steps, it'll cause you to feel insecure. It'll cause you to feel like the only way you can get up is by pulling somebody else down. But it doesn't work like that in the kingdom of God. God has blessings and favor in store just for you. And what God has for you, nobody else can take that away. Even when people try to oppose you and even when people come against you, it doesn't matter. Because when God has ordained something for you and when he has ordered your steps, you will walk in that provision and that favor that he has for you. And you can have an assurance in knowing that. And so when I know that my God loves me, then I understand my future is found in him. My finances, my relationships, my identity, my purpose, my destiny is found in him. He is my security. Not a job, not a person. It's not about who I know. And you know, in Nashville in particular, towns like this, everybody's trying to get connected with somebody who they think can help them get to the next level. But you don't have to live your life that way when you understand, I know the source. I have the connection of all connections with Father God, so I don't have to worry about who I know who can open a door for me. He will open doors for you that no man can shut. Another thing jealousy is rooted in is inferiority. When I feel like I'm less than you because of where I come from, how much money I have, my socioeconomic status, my gender, my race, I feel like I'm less valuable than you because of those things, and so now I'm jealous. But you won't be inferior when you realize and recognize your identity is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter where you come from. God will take the least of them. He says the last will be first. So the way that the kingdom of God operates is completely opposite of the world system. And so I don't have to be inferior to anybody. I don't have to be inferior to anyone when I know who I am in Christ. And the way you really get to understand your identity in Christ is by spending time in his word. I can't stress that enough because the word of God will transform your thinking. And so you have to be intentional about spending time in his word. So another cause of conflict, the reason we have conflict with each other, jealousy is number one. Number two is lack of faith in God. We have a lack of faith in God. James 4 in verse 2, it said, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Not having faith in God will cause you to be in conflict with other people. Because when you don't believe that God will do the things that he said he would do, when you don't take him at his word, when you don't truly have the faith to believe him, then you'll be jealous of other people and you'll be in conflict with other people. But when you take him at his word, when you truly believe that he is who he says he is, then you won't have conflict with other people because you realize that my life is in nobody's hands but the hands of the almighty God. 
And so when he says to me that if I bring my tithes and offerings into the storehouse, he would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big I don't have room enough to contain it, then I can believe for that then I'm not going to be jealous when I'm feeling like I'm in a season of lack and you're in a season of plenty. Because the word of God tells me that I'm in covenant with God and I live under an open heaven because I'm obedient in my tithes and offerings. And I believe it, even if I don't see it. Faith is not based on what you see, it's based on what you know. What you know. And so that's where the word of God has to get from being head knowledge down into your heart. That's when the word of God begins to be life to you and you'll begin to see those things come to pass. How about this? Another reason we are often in conflict with others is covetousness. We're coveting what other people have. And you know, coveting is really just based in lust. It's based out of a spirit of lust. I want these things that I see other people have or I want this status so that I can feel like I'm important in life. It's based out of a spirit of lust. James 4 and verse 3 says, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And so basically, what he's saying here is God is not just going to bless us just to give us things that will give us pleasure. Everything is about giving him glory. Everything is about his kingdom being advanced. And so you have to stop and ask yourself, why is it that I'm striving for this thing so much? Is it about me or is it about the name of Jesus being lifted up through this? And so when you have a spirit of covetousness, it's based out of lust. And James said, that's why we're not receiving these things that we're wanting because our motives are all wrong. And so you have to ask God to help your motives to remain pure. When you're seeking after things and striving after things, so many times, you know, we have our dreams and our plans. And really, when we get down to the root level and the foundation of it all, it's about making us look great. And it's about making us feel secure. And it's about making us feel like we have more status in life. But God said, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in my name being glorified and my name being lifted high. And I will exalt you when I know I can trust you that you're going to give me glory and not yourself. Amen. And the Bible is very clear about us staying away from things like this. In Ephesians 4.22, it says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And I find it interesting there that it tied lust and deception together. Because most of the time, the things that we're lusting after, we have been deceived into thinking those things are going to make us whole. Those things are going to bring a level of satisfaction to our lives that in actuality only God can bring. And so when you find that you're operating in lust for whatever it is, for riches, for pleasure, for money, for status, a lot of times that's based out of us thinking, this is going to fulfill me. This is going to complete me. But nothing will fulfill or complete you but God. 
Exodus 20 and verse 17 says, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. In other words, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. And certainly don't cover their spouse because you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble then. <laughs> don't covet your neighbor's things because you are connected to the source. So I don't have to be coveting what you have. God has something for me that is just for me. So now let's look at our cause of conflict with God. What is the cause of our conflict with God? The first thing is we're clinging to the world, clinging to the world. James chapter four and verse four says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now that's strong, y'all. It says when we are clinging to the world, we make ourselves an enemy of God. Think about that. Who wants to be an enemy of God? I sure don't. But so often, a lot of believers are in this space where I've accepted Christ and I've got my hand over here and I'm saying, yes, God, I need you in my life and, and I know I need you and, and I want to live for you. But then in the other hand, we've got the world and we won't let go. And we're just living life like this. And the Bible really taught, calls that being lukewarm. We've got our hand in his hand, but we won't let go of the things of the world. And so we still act like, think like, talk like, behave like, live like the world. But then we're calling ourselves a follower of Christ. And you can't have it both ways. Because he says that when we do that, we make ourselves an enemy of God. And so when you come into a relationship with Christ, you've got to do this. You've got to turn your back on the things of the world. And you've got to follow him completely and wholly with all of your heart. You can't follow him like this. That's a lot of Christians. It's a lot of believers. And so we've got to let go of the things of the world. How about this one? Pride. Pride. James 4 and verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Y'all, these are some strong words. One thing about James, he, he's not cutting any corners. He's not sugarcoating anything. Okay? He said God opposes you when you're walking in pride. That literally means that God will put obstructions in your way. When you're walking in pride. And you know, pride is the thing that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven because he wasn't satisfied with who he was. He wanted to be God. And so pride will put you in total opposition to God. And then it goes on, if you read this later, all through verses 11 and through 17, it says, talks about how God is not pleased when we judge others or when we remove him from the equation. When we get to a point of self-reliance and self-confidence and we feel like we can do everything by ourselves in and of our own strength, we don't need God, watch out because pride is creeping up. And when we're walking in pride, 
God is in total opposition to us. And Proverbs 13 and verse 10 says, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. You know, so often the conflict that we have with people, it's because somebody or both parties are walking in pride. Nobody wants to listen. Everybody wants to be heard. Is that not true today? I mean, oh my God, log on to social media. <laughs> Nobody wants to listen, but everybody wants to be heard. And that verse that we just read, it says, those who take advice are wise. In order to take advice, you got to zip it. Open your ears, close your mouth and listen to another point of view, listen to someone else's perspective. But so often we're so full of ourselves, we would rather be right than righteous. I would rather know that I'm right and I prove my point than to be in right standing with God by walking according to the fruit of the spirit. And so pride will kill relationships. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. I mean, that's putting it plain and simple. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. And the thing about pride that's so sneaky, most people that have it don't know ha they have it because they're not willing to do a self-evaluation and admit that they are walking in pride. So it's, it's very subtle and sneaky, and it'll be living right here in your heart, and all along you think you're right. You can point it out in other people real fast. They got pride. They, need, they, they have pride. They have a problem. But you can never see it in yourself. And so you have to be willing to take a self-evaluation and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you areas of your life where you may be walking in pride. And so now that we've talked about what causes conflict with ourselves, what causes conflict with others, and what causes conflict with God, now let's talk about conflict resolution. James 4, 7 says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee. I find it interesting that the first thing it says you have to do is humble yourself. Then after you do that, when you resist the devil, he will flee. But if you're walking in pride and full of pride, when you resist the devil, he probably ain't going nowhere. Humility is the precursor. Choose to walk in humility and ask God to help you to walk in humility. Ephesians 4 verse 2 says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of our what? Love. And it's love, the Bible tells us, that the world will see that will let them know we belong to God. But what the enemy has done is he's created so much division among the body of Christ and believers that the world can't even recognize us because we're not showing love toward one another. Everybody's so full of pride and wanting to be right that we don't even express love toward one another. But it says when we love each other, we will be patient 
and we will make allowance for each other's faults. When you choose to humble yourself, you will often find that there's more that connects you with other people than what drives you apart. There's more that we have in common than what we have, you know, that's different. But you have to humble yourself to be able to even see that. And then this is really important. We have to learn to extend grace toward others. Extend grace toward others. Why should I extend grace toward somebody else? It's very simple. Because every single day, God extends grace toward you. Every day. Because there are things that you do that nobody else knows about. There are sins that people struggle with that nobody else knows about. If we could get into your thought life, that alone requires grace, right? Every day we wake up, God is extending his grace toward us. So how dare we not extend grace toward other people? Imagine if God decided not to extend grace to you when you woke up tomorrow. How would your life be different? And so we should extend grace toward other people. And then finally, we need to remember who the real enemy is. You know, the devil has caused us to look at each other oftentimes as if we are the enemy. But he is the real enemy. The Bible says that he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so because we know that there is power in agreement and that when we're unified, God commands a blessing, the enemy knows that if he can create a division and if he can cause us to constantly be in dissension and strife, we're weak. We're weak as the body of Christ. And so we have to recognize that he is our true enemy. People are not your enemy. Can I get a louder amen? People are not your enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the Bible says, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so when you find yourself getting so ticked off with somebody that you're ready to haul off and say something you shouldn't say, or you ready to, God forbid, punch somebody like that little boy punched me, or get physical with somebody, you need to take a step back and say, they're not my enemy. They are not my enemy. They are not my enemy. I'm going to pray right now because I realize there's a spirit that is coming against me and they're using this person right now, but that person is not my enemy. People are not the enemy. Don't let the devil continue to play you against your fellow sister and brother in Christ because he's sitting back just laughing like, I got him. I got him. They don't even know what's going on, but I've got him. Mark 3:24 says a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. If that's not a picture of what the enemy is trying to do these days, a kingdom that is divided by civil war will collapse. And I'm going to welcome the band to come on back up. But here's the thing, when the enemy can get us so focused on fighting each other, then guess what's not happening? The kingdom of God is not being advanced. Souls are not being won. The lost are not being set free. The kingdom of God is not being advanced when he can get us distracted with little spats and arguments and dissension and constantly being in conflict with one another. 
And so my challenge to us today is to allow the Holy Spirit to show you areas in your own life where maybe you're walking in pride. Or maybe there's areas of your life that you haven't totally surrendered and you haven't crucified to the cross and you're holding on to things of the world and all of these things. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And then after he reveals it, have enough humility to say, God, I admit that I'm wrong. I admit that I need your help in this area of my life. Because when we are unified and when we are walking in the love of God together as one body, we're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.